This is Calling the Tune, a new Fee Compass podcast series on financial instruments under the new Common Provisions Regulation. This is Desmond Gardner from the Fee Compass team at EIB. Every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want. The words of author and campaigner Anna Lappe. In this episode, I'm joined by Oana Dordan and Ieva Zalite from DG Regio at the European Commission to discuss eligible expenditure for financial instruments under the new CPR. Oana, Ieva, welcome back. Thank you, Desmond. Hello, everybody. We are very happy to be here, Desmond. Today, we're looking at the part of the CPR that deals with eligible expenditure. Before we get to the specific rules for financial instruments, Oana, can we briefly consider the general rules? What are the key points to note? I would like to remind our listeners that financial instruments are an implementation mode and the eligibility rules come mainly from the programs because financial instruments should be used to achieve the objectives of the specific programs. So you are right that first we should start describing the general eligibility rules. And this article sets out the fact that double support should be avoided. It also mentioned the eligibility period, which is from 2021 until 2029. So the support to final recipients should be done before the end of 2029. I would like also to mention some rules which are related to the acquisition of land and VIT. For the acquisition of land, it is possible to have eligible expenditure up to 10% of the investment at the level of the final recipient or for specific cases up to 15%. The thresholds are the same as in the current CPR. Regarding the VAT, also the rules didn't change. For financial instruments, VAT for the investments at the level of the final recipient is eligible. In case of combination of financial instruments and grant in one financial instrument operation, the rules for VAT for the grant part are the same as the general rules for grants for VAT. It means that if the grant is below 5 million euros, the VAT is eligible. If the grant is above 5 million euros, including the VAT, the VAT is not eligible. I would like also to mention the durability provisions do not apply to financial instruments. And Oana, then we have the specific rules for financial instruments. Please can you describe how eligible expenditure is calculated for different types of financial instruments? I would like just to say to our listeners that the purpose of the Commission was to bring all the eligibility rules at one place and to have them in the CPR. And I would also like to say that what is eligible expenditure refers to what is paid to final recipients for loans, equity or quasi-equity investments. Also, it refers to the resources set aside for guarantee contracts, 
to payments to or for the benefit of final recipients in case of the grant which is combined with the financial instruments and to the payments of management costs and fees. It means also that what it is not in this article is not eligible. And I would like to mention that the second round of investments are not eligible resources as we received this question several times from the managing authority. This article presents also a facilitation of the combination of the financial instruments across consecutive programming periods. We wanted to use this to replace the current escrow accounts, which allow to continue investments which are longer than the eligibility periods. And can we look at the use of the multiplier in a little bit more detail? It's calculated in the ex-ante risk assessment, but can be adjusted to respond to market conditions. Could you give a practical example of how this works? This is a quite a difficult issue and I will try to clarify it for our listeners. When we refer to guarantees, we need to have a multiplier. And the example would be, if you put program contribution of 10, it means ERDF, for example, and national co-financing, it is expected that this generates an investment of, let's say, 40. This means a multiplier of 4. And this is very important and it is regulated mainly in the definition of the CPR. And there we can see that the multiplier ratio is established on the basis of a prudent ex-ante risk assessment. This is a banking practice and our listeners should not confuse the ex-ante risk assessment with the ex-ante assessment which was done when the financial instruments were set up. Here, the managing authority has to sign with the body implementing a financial instrument a funding agreement and in this funding agreement should decide about how much a multiplier is on the basis of the market conditions. This body implementing the financial instrument will after select the banks which will give the loans to final recipients. It is indicated that if the agreed amount of loans is not disbursed, the eligible expenditure is reduced proportionally. Of course, the multiplier ratio can be adjusted during the implementation given the market conditions and how the portfolio of loans reacted in reality. It means that if the loans are not paid back as foreseen, the guarantor or the body implementing the financial instrument has to adjust their risk and to modify the multiplier ratio. However, as it is defined in the article, the multiplier ratio cannot affect the loans which are paid back. So the change of the multiplier ratio will not change the eligible expenditure for the loans which are paid back because those loans do not bear any risk anymore. Let's now turn to the part of the new CPR that relates to management costs and fees. Yeah, there are several features of the rules in this area. Let's start with the easiest part, which is when a financial intermediary is selected through competitive tender. What are the rules in such a case? In relation to management costs and fees, 
this is an easiest part um, in these provisions. Indeed, when a financial intermediary is selected through an open tender, the price of the service that this financial intermediary will deliver is the outcome of the competition and the calculation and remuneration methodology will be established in the funding agreement. These management costs and fees charged by the financial intermediary will be declared as eligible expenditure to the Commission. So, moving on to direct award, there are a number of different thresholds for management costs and fees. Please could you summarise them for our listeners? Yes, here I would like to highlight that um, the provisions recognise the differentiation uh, between the different types of funds and products and this is reflected in the thresholds. So, where the bodies implementing a holding fund are selected in a direct award of contract, the agreed percentages are 5% for holding funds where guarantee or loan funds operate in the holding fund structure, or it is uh, 7% if the holding fund covers an equity fund. For the bodies implementing a specific fund, the thresholds are different and for specific funds which provide loans and guarantees, the percentage is set to be 7% and in case of equity, it is set to be at 15%. And the CPR requires the fees to be performance-based. What sort of methodology do you expect to see adopted by managing authorities? Will it depend on the type of financial instrument? Yes, indeed. If we compare to the past, many of our listeners will recall that in the programming period 1420, we have a very extensive uh, calculation methodology for determining eligible management costs and fees where the financial intermediaries are awarded the contract directly. For the future, this calculation methodology is significantly simplified and when we look at the text of the Common Provisions Regulation, we see that all the provisions in relation to the management costs and fees are brought into the main text of the regulation. So we no longer need to look into different legal acts, all the rules are in one place. And if we speak about the methodology itself, In a way, it's quite uh, simple because to determine eligible management costs and fees, we have to take uh, the thresholds, the percentages that uh, we talked about uh, just before, and we apply these thresholds to the amounts of program resources disbursed to final recipients or in case of guarantees to the amounts set aside uh, for guarantee contracts. So overall, uh, this calculation is much more simple. And the final amount of the eligible management costs and fees, these we will know at uh, closure of the programs. What is uh, also important to recall, and here the rules haven't changed, where the arrangement fees or any part that the financial intermediary charges to final recipients, these amounts should not be declared as eligible expenditure. When we speak about the eligible expenditure, we speak about the program resources and how they are used. So in case of the financial instruments, the management costs and fees, the program resources that we use to reimburse the fund managers for their work. Whereas here, if the uh, financial intermediary 
wants to charge a certain amount to the final recipient, these are no longer program resources. Therefore, this amount, we should not generate more in the management costs and fees than it is agreed in the funding agreement. Finally, we discussed in an earlier episode of this podcast how, where financial instruments and grants are combined in a single operation, the financial instrument rules apply. Oana, is this the case when calculating management costs and fees for these combined financial instruments? Yes, Desmond. The management costs and fees are calculated also on the basis of the grant which is combined with the financial instruments in one operation. Many thanks, Oana and Ieva. As ever, you've been very open and clear about how these regulations will operate. I would like to say that we try to simplify the eligibility rules, but nothing changed except the additional flexibility which was brought for the continuation of financial instruments from one program to another. And as you said at the beginning, member states should do the best use of their money when implementing financial instruments and to try to achieve the program objectives better, maybe with resources paid back, maybe with a bigger leverage. It is their decision and we trust them, they will do the best choices. I would like to thank uh, our listeners uh, for their attention, and I hope uh, that uh, the eligibility rules being now in one legal text will help and facilitate the implementation of financial instruments. Thank you very much. A big thank you also to our listeners for tuning in today to this episode of the Fee Compass Calling the Tune podcast. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at Don't forget to follow us on social media and look out for our next episode on payments and reporting. Have a good day, everybody.